as any good sermon should start this week, I'm going to start with talking about Stranger Things. Stranger Things, man, it is it's a great show. Uh, it is not for rock kids. Okay, heads up, uh, not, not for them. Um, I won't spoil anything for you, I promise. I'm not about to let you know a big main character's backstory that's very integral to the whole series. I won't do that. But I will say, in watching the latest season, there is a certain character in the show who is tremendously evil. And he goes on this long, impassioned monologue about how boring and stupid humans are. And some part of you wants to kind of say, amen. I understand. But this evil character utters the phrase, each human life is a weaker copy of the previous. And so for me, it reminded me of a Christian film called Fight Club, where, don't talk about it, where the antagonist loudly proclaims, Everything is a copy of a copy of a copy, meaning that life is dull, life is repetitive, life is monotonous. And some would agree with that assessment, that life really has a way of beating the hope and faith and mercy out of you, all before you even get out of bed, right? Like, like sometimes that's just the case. And so I think there, that this perspective can happen to any of us. We can all slip into this sort of perspective. And at times, I think we will all reach a breaking point and feel this way. But I think there is a stark difference in sometimes feeling this way and allowing such cynicism to form your actual worldview. For example, the Bible, which was written by man, inspired by God, it taps into this human emotion very, very appropriately very bluntly. Ecclesiastes 1, we're reading the first 11 verses here. The Bible says, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, ready for some encouragement? Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full to the place that the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear, it's fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Life is dull. Life is repetitive. Life is monotonous. It's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Everything is meaningless. Welcome to Rock Vineyard. I am Pastor Kevin. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, but I wanted to start in this darker way because I think it's important. 
But I want us to also, if, if, if you heard that and you're like, where is this going? I don't like this. This isn't church. This isn't something I want to be a part of. That's fine. That's good because neither do I. I want you to hear just really how contemptuous and pessimistic it is to truly believe that life is meaningless. It is dangerous. It is dangerous if you believe your only purpose in the world is just to repeat the same boring things day in and day out until you die. Believe it or not, I actually want to talk about hope today, but a specific kind of hope. Before we jump into hope, let me put some context around the book of Ecclesiastes because some of you are like, so the Bible says all that? Really, all this is meaningless? Well, hold on, pump the brakes. Because we just read the introduction, okay? Uh, and that represents a journey from one point to another, okay? Just like life. And the author, Solomon, he describes his starting point in the opening verses that we just read. And what, what does he say? Everything is meaningless. Nothing matters. Nothing made sense to him because he had already tried a number of solutions, pleasure, work, intellect. Solomon had pursued it all to try to ease his sense of being lost in the world. And he was saying everything's meaningless there at the beginning. However, even in his desperate attempts, even in his desperate attempts to search for meaning and significance, God remained present. And if you have some time this week, the book of Ecclesiastes is worth your time, reading it to the finish, because by the end, Solomon is a different man. He has lived through this process, and he's come out the other side a lot wiser with seasoned perspective, a man, if you will, with hopes and dreams. Um, but when we talk about hopes and dreams, when I, when I say something like that, like what comes to mind? Oh, come on. Like, is this going to be one of those cheesy, feel-good, self-help sermons? No, it's not. <laughs> or are you kind of cynical? Oh, dreams. Those are for people who are young and unmarried. You know, like, like, like I'm so jaded. I don't have any dreams. I, I do want to talk to you about those things today, but in a way that helps you embrace and fight for yours. If you don't believe me, believe the Bible. The Bible says this from Acts 2.17. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. You will have dreams. You should have dreams. The Bible says that the Spirit of God will help encourage, empower you to have dreams. Dreams are good, and they are God-given. But if, if you're here today and you think, well, I'm just... I'm just too old for this. This is beneath me. Back when I was younger, maybe. Just so you are aware, one of the founding fathers of the faith, his name is Moses. He wasn't called by God until he was 80 years old. Literally 80 years old, encountering the burning bush. I know all of you. I know most of you don't have Moses beat this morning, right? Um, or perhaps just as inspiring as Moses, the one and only, the unique Colonel Harlan Sanders. Come on, he didn't start his business until he was 62 years old. There's a dream, and God bless, they are open on Sundays, okay? But listen, I need to stick to the sermon. I don't want to divide people, okay? What I'm trying to say is that if you have breath in your lungs, you have capacity to dream again, that dreams are good and dreams are God-given. And no matter your age or stage of life, that is true. Maybe it's time for you to feel free enough to dream again. 
I mean, that's true in my family right now. Yes, we have three kids, but two of them looks like we'll be going to school this fall. My wife is, is kind of in this new season of life where she gets to kind of dream again, and maybe she'll pursue a master's. Maybe she'll uh, go to work. Maybe she'll do a few different things. And so it's really exciting to be in that place, having raised tiny children who are now not so tiny. It's exciting because dreams are God-given and dreams are good. Now, not to sound too dramatic, but, but if you choose to dream, dreams come with danger. Genesis 37.5 begins to tell the story of a man named Joseph. And, and the Bible says that Joseph, he had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now notice the end of that phrase, they hated him all the more. They already hated this guy, okay? They already hated him, okay? Your dreams may make you the enemy in someone else's life, just so you know. Joseph was already different than his other brothers because he had a different mom, her name was Rachel, and it seems like their father, Jacob, even preferred Joseph other, uh, over the others because Jacob gave Joseph this big, beautiful Elton John-inspired robe, and it was, it was gaudy, it was colorful, and it was amazing. But listen, he did that, and he didn't do it for the other kids. So parents, come on, let's not screw our kids up. Let's not play favorites. All right, let, let's not do that today. Please, and I mean this, my brother has yet to forgive me for a Christmas like 13 years ago where I got an Xbox and he was a newlywed, so he got pots and pans. He still brings it up every time we get together. Don't play favorites. I digress. Dreams can be dangerous though. And maybe you can identify with Joseph because people come against you for your dreams. Or maybe you're sitting here, you're like, yeah, I, I, I don't relate. That's okay too, because maybe instead of being hated for your dreams, your dreams are dangerous because every opportunity for you to pursue them gets slammed in your face. And so the dangers, the very real dangers of a failure mindset can begin to seep in. Your family may not reject you, but you begin to reject you. Yeah, I shouldn't have pursued that. That was stupid. I really gave my life to that. I even went to school for this, and now it's not even going to be anything. It's, it's dangerous. Even fulfilling your dream is dangerous because success, as it turns out, is dangerous too because you could live your whole life working towards something, placing your identity into it only to achieve it and find that it's not satisfying at all, and you are as empty as you've ever been. I remember hearing a Super Bowl-winning quarterback just a few years ago say he worked his whole life to win the Super Bowl, and then he did, and he beat uh, those terrible, awful, I think it was the Steelers, and for 48 hours, he said, I felt on top of the world. But it was just a few days later. He was like, this is meaningless. He was quoting Ecclesiastes. This was all meaningless. I did it. I'm done. And so here's what I'm saying. Yeah, dreams are dangerous, but there are really two extremes, okay? So one, you are of the perspective that, yeah, everything's meaningless, so why dream at all? You're just pessimistic, right? You're cynical. Or the other extreme. Well, dreaming is dangerous because you will be disappointed constantly, so why dream at all? 
Because isn't it easier just to keep your head down and work hard, pay your taxes, watch your favorite team lose the Super Bowl, and give up on your dreams? Yeah, it's a lot easier to do that. But I don't believe for a second that that is what God wants for you, that God wants that for your life. Because I think when we choose to understand our, our hopes and aspirations and our dreams in a godly way, in a way that, that God has given them to us, that dreams can change everything. And we can even see God in new ways, in unique ways that, that we couldn't have before. Because this isn't about slipping further and further into nihilism and pursuing our own destruction and saying nothing matters, everything is meaningless. But that everything in creation is a reflection of God's love for you and he needs you to be the one he's actually dreamed you to be. So when it comes to dreams, again, like I said a second ago, I think dreams, the whole idea of hopes and dreams is it has been hijacked by the cynics or it's become like so cheesy that no one takes it seriously anymore. But I want to talk about this, and I want to approach it in a, in a biblical way, um, in three different ways. Let's start with wisdom. Because dream without wisdom is a disaster in the making. And so I want to tell you a very quick story right now. Kelsey and I, my wife, we became homeowners for the first time uh, years ago, and I, I made no money back then. I had a guaranteed you know, salary, but I still made no money back then. I was managing a coffee shop and we were doing what we could. Uh, and somehow the numbers worked out that a bank said, they're good, they're young, they're responsible, let's give them a loan, right? And then of course we benefited from that new homeowner's discount, you know? but hey, we achieved the American dream. And I, and I kid you not, for about 48 hours, it was awesome. I didn't have to call my landlord about stuff. I didn't have to check in with him. If I wanted to paint something, if I wanted to do something, I could do it. Those 48 hours, I tell you, those, that's where you want to live. And then everything went wrong, of course, because that's just what happens when you buy a home, okay? A lot of things went wrong. But it made sense on paper. The numbers checked out. We can make it. But just because it makes sense on paper doesn't mean it's actually a wise investment. You ever make like a financial decision, but maybe not a spiritual decision? Like it's reasonable and it makes sense. And some people I talk to say I should do this. But were we being prayerful as we considered this? Are we asking advice from trusted sources? Because listen, your family, if you go to your family and you say, hey, we're thinking about doing this big thing. We're thinking about buying our first home. We're thinking about doing this. Your family just wants you to be happy. So they will probably just encourage you to do it, right? If you ask, I don't know, your realtor, I think that they have a slanted maybe perspective and they will encourage you to do the same because that is just what will happen. But what about the people in your life who simply shoot you straight all the time and they are just people that you trust? What if you ask the wise people in your life, maybe who are a little further down the road, what if you ask them for advice, for clarity, for wisdom, for prayer? If the trusted people in your life are not on board, I really think you should consider, reconsider the context and timing of that dream. The dream is still there, but the context and the timing can look different because a dream without wisdom is a disaster in the making. We say this all the time in our church offices around here. We quote this great, brilliant philosopher, um, Dr. Ian Malcolm, 
uh, from Jurassic Park. Yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah, we, we literally quote this all the time because it's a great life philosophy. Let me just quote it to you, and then I'll make it make sense, okay? Malcolm, he says this to the guy who made dinosaurs come back, right? Yeah, uh, Malcolm says, your scientists were so preoccupied with, what, with whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Okay, okay. You could marry that person. You don't want to be single anymore. But should you? You could go out of state for college or work. Should you? You could give up on the thing you've built and worked so hard for right now. You could walk away right now. But should you? Just because you could do it doesn't mean you should do it. Just because it's a dream doesn't mean it's a dream meant to be accomplished right now. That's the beautiful thing about having dreams is that they don't expire. You can, you, you can trust the process because later in the story of Joseph, get this, if you, think, if you think your siblings are rough and hate on you constantly, I don't know. Joseph may have you beat, okay? Because later in the story, Joseph's brothers, they fake his death because they hate him so much. But Joseph, he, he had told them in this dream, brothers, you are going to bow to me. Forget Xbox and pots and pans. You will bow to me one day. And the weird thing about Joseph is that he was right. He was right. The dream was correct. But in my opinion, Joseph, he really lacked wisdom. He did not consider the context or the anger. He didn't consider the timing of this dream. Because a dream with, without wisdom is simply a disaster in the making. And I know God used Joseph's life and a lot of hardships in his life for God's glory. But I am simply saying, I think Joseph, uh, Joseph could have saved himself a little bit of trouble. So what are the wise voices in your life telling you? Or maybe you're sitting here right now and you're like, I don't talk to wise people. Why not? There are seasoned people. There are people who have walked through life uh, before you who can help you. Uh, who can help elevate your perspective and give context to things? How are the people that you trust in your life counseling you? Now, the next one, I, I just want to go ahead and say, the next one can absolutely ruin your life. It, it really can, okay? Uh, the next one is simply this. A dream without patience is selfish and, and faithless. A dream without patience is selfish and faithless. Uh, I'm going to use another quick story from our life because we have plenty of these moments where we could have used wisdom, we could have used patience, and we didn't. Uh, so, hey, if I can, if I can uh, teach about the negative things in my life that help you not make those decisions, I want to do that for you, okay? Do you ever get randomly inspired and make sweeping changes in your life? Like, I don't know, it's 2 a.m. and P90X, that commercial just comes on, you're like, you know what? I am 45 and I'm going to get that six-pack, you know? Like, I'm going to start eating healthier. Just randomly, you encounter something and you just get so inspired. It's time to change. Well, similar thing happened to me. I got really motivated years ago to officially get our family completely out of debt. It was, it was a very small amount, um, but I just got really inspired to do it. And that's a good dream. Would you agree? Hey, getting out of debt, that's a good dream, right? Um, there was context I didn't consider. Okay, there, there, there was timing I didn't consider, but that's still a great dream. At the time, we had two car payments, uh, and one of them was this indestructible 
Toyota Camry because you cannot destroy those things, okay? I'm convinced if the zombie apocalypse actually happens, Toyota Camrys will become the dominant species. So a Toyota Camry, that's what I drove. And it was nice and it was newer. And I thought, I can get rid of this Toyota Camry. I can sell it and I can take care of our debt and I'll just buy like a thousand dollar car. What could go wrong with that? Famous last words of any dream. Okay, that's a great idea. Here was one of my mistakes. I'm inspired. I put my shoes on. And I'm starting out the door. And my wife says, where are you going? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I have this idea. Let me tell you about it that I didn't even bring her into. But you know what? God bless that woman. She believed in me. And, and I made some, I guess, passionate appeal to her heart. And, and she was like, go for it. If, if that's what you want to go look into, do it. She didn't say accomplish it. She just said, if you want to look into it, go for it. Uh, I'll be right back. It's great. I went to that car lot and I came home with a ratty old Jeep. Uh, it was a rough Jeep. Uh, go ahead and show this, this, this photo of this Jeep. Now, listen, that is, that is a cute photo, not of the Jeep, right? Like that's a, that's a cute photo of me and my two boys. Uh, that is literally the only thing that that Jeep was good for. That Jeep did not start after this. The Jeep kept having trouble. We had to get it towed. The Jeep did not work after this great Instagrammable photo, but you wouldn't know it because everyone lies on social media like I do. It's heartwarming, right? But that Jeep was then stuck in our driveway. So now we had three cars with two car payments and more insurance costs. Y'all, that was, that was really stupid. You can say that. Like, that was... That was Good heart, bad execution, right? I had a good heart, but I was impatient. And, and, and that's why these things can get, can get dangerous. And I think often we approach God with this impatience all the time in just ways that we want him to work on our schedules. Like, hey, God, I'm ready to do this big thing, and, and I'm ready to do it, and I know you're going to see me through it. Um, but here's the thing about God is that he cares infinitely more about who you become than what you actually do. Humans are very much the opposite, right? We're on to the next. Some of you right now, you're even thinking around the corner right now. I'm ready to accomplish the next thing, ready to do the next thing, ready to conquer the next thing. But God cares infinitely more about who you're becoming in this process than moving you on to the next thing. And so, again, maybe you're like me and you're just ready to move on. Or, or you're, just, you're just ready to see what's coming next. But when you do that, you lose sight on some of the most important things that you have right now in this season of life. And it takes a lot of maturity and self-control to see that and embrace that. Because we must be patient, not with God, but who God is creating us to be. Let me ask, have you ever met someone who is accidentally profound? Like, like you kind of have conversations with them and they're not trying to be someone they're not. But afterward, you're just like inspired or they said something that really got to you. Um, I have a friend who's at our church. His name is Tori. And, and I love Tori. I love this guy so much. Uh, and, and for those who don't know, uh, he was one of the people who moved here with us a couple of years ago, uh, moved his whole family up here to help plant this church. 
And in the process, he kept working his job in Georgetown uh, five days a week. Okay, that's pretty, that's pretty rough. Uh, he also worked nights. And so he would work all week long and work nights all night long. And then he would come here and serve and give leadership and rock kids. Uh, and and he, was, he was up for day shift, which is a very big deal. If you've ever worked nights, he was up for day shift. And then he had... Uh, something happened with his hand, and they took day shift away, or, or the prospect of it away, and he had to stay with night shift. And in the process, I could just tell it was kind of wearing on him. And he and I were talking. I think it was one Sunday morning right back here in the sanctuary. But I remember asking him, I said, Tori, what do you think God is teaching you or showing you right now? Because you're back to nights, and, and this thing got taken away. And I love Tori because he is just himself. Tori said, I don't know, but I know it's something, and I know it's good. And he just walked away. And I have, I've never forgotten that, because I was, I was ready, listen, if I'm being really honest, I was ready to pastor his heart and just help him and encourage him and help him, like, see, well, God's still moving in your life and everything. And he ends up like laying that line on me and walking away. And I was like, huh, I didn't know I needed to hear this. Because that's the sort of humility and patience and faith that I think is more than just encouraging, but I think is really, it should be contagious. And I know we just survived a pandemic, but catching some things from people is good for your soul. Because imagine, imagine what the world would think of Jesus and Christianity if Christians were actually known for the teachings of Christ and the love of God and welcoming all people in all situations to come experience God for themselves. What would happen in your life if you showed that sort of faith? What would happen in your community if you took hold of this and lived it out? What would happen in your home? As, as I was kind of sitting with this this week, I kept thinking of that too. Like, what would happen in our home? What would happen in our community? What would take place in my life if, if, if we really took hold of this and pressed into it? And the phrase, I don't know what would happen. I bet it'd be something. And I bet it'd be good. Because I think that's, that's a hope. That's a hopeful perspective. In a world that is just sowing hopelessness all the time. To believe that God is up to something good really is very countercultural, but still so important. Last one, and then we are going to finish up. Uh, a, a dream without gratitude, it's a nightmare. A dream without gratitude is a total nightmare. What if that dream of yours actually came true? What if the thing you're thinking, that is when my life will take off? What if that thing actually happened for you? That thing that you wanted so desperately, what if it actually happened? Would it change your life? Wouldn't it be so nice? Okay, go with me here for a second. Some part of your life right now was a dream that you once had. Something or someone in your life was a dream that you now have. But what happened to you? It doesn't feel like a dream anymore. Yeah, it's because it's a nightmare. 
I'm not saying gratitude will magically fix every problem. Don't hear me say that. But what if you changed your perspective? And, and maybe you begin to view things differently through the lens of gratitude. What if the six-figure job that you have right now, it was a dream back then, but what if you chose to, to view it through the lens of a grateful heart? Instead of, my job is so demanding, my boss is really hard, and this, that, and the other, what if we chose to see it from a perspective of gratitude? And instead, we said, I can provide for my family. I can help others with my finances. I can use my influence for good. I could pray right now and ask God who I could help right here, right now. My job has expectations, yes, and there are tough days, but I'm living the dream I once had right here, right now. Or what if your rent or your mortgage right now that cuts it really close some months, what if that home was viewed as the dream that it was back then? And you just simply viewed it with gratitude. Wow, I get to share meals with people I love in my home. I can provide space for someone who needs a night away right now. I get to raise my kids in the comfort of air conditioning. Praise God. I'm not living a nightmare. I'm just being ungrateful. Because this is the dream. I'm living part of my dream right now. I'm married to part of my dream right now. I got little dreams right now. I, I got well, whatever it is, whatever it is in your life, you have dreams in your life. I mean, two years ago, we moved here to plant this church. And if you don't know, most of you do. God moved in just this amazing and incredible way. And we were given the building you are sitting in as a gift. And that just doesn't happen. I couldn't have dreamed that scenario, okay? That's a dream come true though, right? Like, that's amazing. Uh, I remember walking around the first time after it became legally our building. I should say legally our responsibility. I had 48 seconds of, wow, God, before it came out a different way. Wow, God. No, I, I was walking around, and I remember on the other side of these these double doors is a, is a gym. And I remember walking through and I had a thankful heart. But I looked up and the ceiling tiles were all gross and old. And, and then my mind just starts racing and all the other what ifs. You ever do that? Look at something in your life and, and you just start to kind of catastrophize? And out loud, I'm not one to usually do this. And I'm looking at the ceiling in the gym. And out loud, I say, uh-oh. This is a lot. You know, like, you get what you prayed for. The unbelievable dream. Like, you're there. But then the intrusive thoughts just come in. They enter in. And what you just viewed as a blessing becomes an all-consuming burden. This is the dream that we prayed for. The dream that we wanted. The dream that kept me up at night. The dream that, that other families moved here for. And so all in this moment, as I say, uh-oh, I kind of hear the voice of the Lord. Just give me that soft little rebuke, you know. 
And I think to myself, I don't want to, I don't want to have that mindset. I don't want to have that mindset anymore. And so I felt, and maybe this was a little charismatic of me, uh, as, as a Southern Baptist boy myself, uh, I thought, well, I said, I, I felt like I cursed myself out loud by saying, uh-oh, so I need to like, you know, come back the other way and I need to pray out loud. So I just started circling this gym like a lunatic. And I just started saying like, this is a gift. This is a blessing. I'm not going to view this as a burden. This was a beautiful gift to us. And this weird phrase came to me. This is the dream. And I just thought that makes no sense. Like, there's so much work to be done. There's so much to do here. But this is the dream. And it just stuck with me. We literally walked in to something bigger than we could have dreamed of. And I knew it. And I knew it was the beauty and sovereignty of God. And that phrase rooted itself into my heart. This is the dream. That just a couple of weeks later, I was like scrubbing some old gross pantries uh, on the property. And it had really like, you know, kind of like just gotten bad. And I remember scrubbing, my hands are all gross and everything, but my heart was just saying, this is the dream. I wasn't in denial. It was just like, this is the dream. I, I wouldn't want another job. I wouldn't want to do anything else. I began thinking like, this is the dream. I thought it would look different, but this is the dream. This is it. How different would your life be if you started walking around it with that perspective that it wasn't this is the burden or uh-oh or I can't handle this anymore, but you began actually viewing it as like, this is the dream. Maybe you have young, wild kids that are driving you crazy. No, this is the dream. Or you're thinking, I wanted to be married, but now we're not even talking. No, get to work because this is the dream. Oh, I have a home, and it's just another issue after another issue. i got to pump more money into this. This is the dream. Dreams come with expectations. Your marriage is going to need some work. This building needs some work. Whatever, fill in the blank. Whatever your dream is, it's going to require some work. But this is the dream. This is it. Hard days will come. But remind yourself this burden right now was a blessing that you prayed for in a different season of life. In a different season of life, you, you wished, you prayed, you hoped for this, and now it's here. I don't want to complain anymore because this is the dream. You are, you are probably living out your ancestors' dreams right now. This is the dream. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in Blessed circumstances. No. Give thanks in positive situations. <laughs> give thanks when the vibes are good. No. It says give thanks in all circumstances. This is the dream. This is the dream. It's hard right now. There are tough days, but this is the dream because a little bit of gratitude can change your perspective. And honestly, church, I believe a changed perspective is a changed life. What dreams did you have before? Or what dreams do you have right now that need some wisdom? What dreams right now need some work? What dreams of yours need some patience? What dreams right now just need some gratitude? This is the dream. I just want us to consider what is it that God is, is doing in our hearts right now? 
What is it that, that God wants to breathe life into again? That thing that you thought was old and gone. What if that is something that God gave you and wants to, to draw you back to? What are the things in your life that just need a little patience? What are the things in your life that just need us to have a shift in perspective and, and, and be grateful to God for? What are those things? I want to pray for us right now, and I want to invite our, our prayer team to come up because, listen, prayer changes things. Prayer changes us. It changes you and I. And sometimes we need some guidance. Sometimes we need some wisdom. And so we believe that, that prayer changes people. It changes situations. And so we just want to pray right now. Heavenly Father, Father, I, I pray against uh, the cynicism that we are susceptible to sometimes. Of like, I'm beyond this, or this is beneath me. Because God, you, you are leading us and you are guiding us. And that means that we have dreams, we have God-given dreams, we have God-honoring dreams, but maybe we want to give up on them. And so God, I pray that in this moment you would, you would speak to us and show us that, that you are with us. We just need to be patient. That you are with us, we just need to be wise. Or that you, you brought us together for this dream. We just, we need to be grateful. We need to put in some work. But this is the dream. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's not next year. It's not in 10 years. But this is the dream right here, right now. And we want to be grateful. And so, Father, I pray for those with us today that they wouldn't give up on you. They wouldn't give up on what you've given them. Because, no, this isn't about pursuing our own ambitions and just doing what we want to do but asking, God, what do you want from my life? What do you want in this situation? What do you want in my family? What do you want in this relationship? God, we put away our lists and we come to you with open hands. And we just say, what's next? Maybe for some of us today, we, we feel apathetic. We feel like we don't have dreams. So Father, we just pray in a very real way but in a way that is supernatural, it can only come from you that you would give us dreams. You would give us visions. And you would inspire us. That we would live our lives for you. And so, Father, we just pray these things. We believe these things. We, we cling tightly to these things. In the name of Jesus. God is good and God is, is, is for you. And, and God gives us good things. Believe it or not, God gives us good things. That's, that's, that's right there in the New Testament. That he gives us good things. I think we can be good stewards of what he's given us. And that means that we are wise and that we're patient. We're grateful. But, you know, we can't gather people here and, and talk about dreams and hopes and aspirations without also talking about what we want to do as a church. 
what do we even want to do in our community? And so I just want to share a few of those with you. Uh, so, so, some dreams, if you will, for our church. Um, and the first thing is that we want to pursue an active prison ministry. We don't just want to be around, but we want to actually go into the prisons and actually like remind people that, that they matter to God and that God loves them. And, and that we want to be part of that. And so uh, we are working on accomplishing that and seeing what that looks like. Of course, in the midst of a pandemic, a lot of things have been up in the air, but that is something that we want to pursue and actually have a pronounced presence in because how easy it would be to feel forgotten, right? How easy it would be to feel like you don't matter. And we want to remind people that they matter to God. Amen. You can say amen. Amen. Right? Right? Uh, another thing that we want to do we want to be part of a, a, a purposed weekly or, or monthly outreach for the homeless because we are right here in the highlands. And we see needs all around us all the time. And so me and my family, we've been able to befriend, you know, uh, some folks who, who are on the streets and get to know them um, and remind them that they matter and that they are loved by God. And listen, it starts small. Literally, I didn't, I didn't dream this up. It happened this morning. And, and this wasn't planned or anything, but someone in our church just decided this morning, instead of driving, I'm going to skate to church. That person doesn't live close necessarily. Um, and I'm going to make like two dozen sausage biscuits. I'm just going to hand them out. And, and, and this person like literally made these and handed out like a ton of them and prayed for a ton of people on his way to church. Church, it doesn't take a whole organization to just to start something. It takes one person with a dream. It takes one person who says, I want to be used by God today. And so literally on the way to church, that's what happened. And so we want to be part of that. We, we want to see people reminded that they matter and that they are loved. We also want to mobilize a prayer ministry on the Bardstown Road because Bardstown Road is huge. It is massive, but we want to see the kingdom of God. And so, yes, when we read the book of, of Acts and we see a lot of things taking place in Acts, this is where we say, why not now? Why not us? We, we see people get healed and we see people actually come to faith. We see things happen in, in the lives of people. We see miracles happen in the Bible. Why not us? Why not now? We want to see people changed forever by the love of God. And so we want to see that happen uh, and another one is that we want, we want to really pursue ministries aimed at freeing people trapped in the adult entertainment industry. If you've been around for any time at all, you know we've already kind of started this, and we partnered with Scarlet Hope. Um, but we also want to see people freed in other ways, especially of the really the, the public health hazard that is pornography. We want to see people change. We want to see people freed from these things. And we want to see people just come alive again. Because nothing really drains you quite like those difficulties and those addictions. And we want to purpose some ministries and some vision around those things. And then just the last thing I'll say today, because we got plenty more. I could sit here, but I could make you all sit down and we have another sermon, but I won't do that. But we also want to plant another church in our city because Louisville's huge. And we don't, we're not competing for people. We're completing other churches in the name of Jesus, because there are other churches in our city who do great work. We want to partner with them, but also we want to partner and we want to plant another vineyard church right here in our city and see the kingdom of God come to bear in the lives of people. And who is he going to use? 
ordinary, broken people just like you and me. We get to be part of that because that is the invitation God gives us. I don't know what you've heard about God, but he's good. And he wants to invite you into the work he is doing. So would you partner with us? Would, would, would you pray with us as we consider these things? Maybe you are the match that lights this fire and we get it going this year. We don't have to wait. I know we can look around and say, well, how are we going to do it? We, we do this, we do that, or, or we're not even at 100 people yet. How can we do this? So we can howl things to death all day long. I don't want to howl anything to death. What if we say, why not us? Why not this dream? Why not God use us for this? Why not us? I think we have a calling. We do. And it's, it's to see the lives of people changed. We just want to practice the way of Jesus together right here. Would you do that with us? Would you partner with us and do that? And help us see these things happen and take place. Church, there are uh, people who are suffering in this world, and we have a hope. We have a hope in Christ that we can give to people, not in a cheesy way where we slap a Bible verse onto something and say, hey, feel better. We have the real presence of God in our lives that we get to invite people into. So make a point to do that this week. Uh, also, we have uh, today week two of our prayer training today, two o'clock. Don't miss that. I missed last week. And uh, I, I will be there this week. So even if you missed with me last week, it's totally fine, okay? Uh, Chris will catch us up on all that uh, curriculum that, that we missed out on. Um, but it'll be a good thing. It'll be good for your soul. It'll be good for your heart. Because something the disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so we want to embrace that. So today, 2 o'clock, come right back after lunch and pray with us. Learn to pray with us. Let's take this hope and this love with us. Let's take this wisdom, this new take on wisdom, this, this new idea around patience, and a grateful heart into our weeks. God bless you, Rock Vineyard. Go in peace.